The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. It's time to go to the movies and Ro McDermott, the movies editor of Hot Press, is with us. But before we get to this week's new releases, we have to talk about Don't Worry Darling, which is this new movie with Harry Styles, Chris Pine and Florence Pugh, directed by Olivia Wilde, uh, which had its premiere in Venice this week. And tell us a little bit about all the stories about what's going on between the cast and director and whether these is true or whether this is just the most wonderful marketing stunt dreamed up by a movie in years. I, the drama, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's been such a long time since we've had a film that has produced so much drama even before its release. And I think it started with high expectations. Olivia Wilde, who's coming off the success of Booksmart. Florence Pugh is now a critical darling and fans really, really love her. So them pairing up into this kind of feminist horror satire film was really exciting. Shia LaBeouf was originally involved. He's a controversial figure and he was removed from production and a few weeks later he was accused of terrible abuse by his ex-girlfriend, the musician FKA Twigs. Um, so you say removed, hasn't he said that he removed himself voluntarily? So here's where the drama begins. Initially it just said he left production because of scheduling con- uh, scheduling difficulties. Then these accusations came out of him and the director, Olivia Wilde, said she had actually fired him because he was combative on set and she wanted to protect her actress, Flora. Pew. Later, it was then revealed that Shia LaBeouf had actually quit and he has text messages, he has videos saying he didn't have enough rehearsal time, he has videos of Olivia Wilde begging him to stay on production and kind of patronising Florence Pugh and saying maybe she just needs to commit to the process a little bit more. Miss Flo? Miss Flo, she called Florence Pugh slightly patronisingly. So this all came out. But when Shia LaBeouf left, he was replaced with Harry Styles who has a quite rabid fan base. I'm a big fan of Harry Styles but like a lot of fandoms there's a toxic element to some. And himself and Olivia Wilde started a relationship. However, she was married at the time. So that's... To Jason Sudeikis, who of course served custody papers, didn't he, or some sort of legal documents on her when she was on stage recently. At Comic-Con. So that was drama in and of itself. And then Florence Pugh went completely silent, didn't do any promotions for the film, wasn't responding to kind of lovely Instagram messages from Olivia Wilde, wasn't referencing it at all. And the rumour going round was that basically Olivia Wilde was so distracted by her new relationship Harry Styles she was making everyone uncomfortable because she had been married to Jason Sudeikis who Florence Pugh was friends with Florence Pugh had to take over some of the directing they had a falling out Sorry Florence Pugh had to take over some of the directing of the movie This is the rumour on set that Olivia Wilde was so distracted Where where was Olivia Wilde? Olivia Wilde off in a trailer somewhere who knows but being distracted uh, by a beautiful man in flares So we're we're talking euphemisms here okay (laughs) So this was the rumour but Florence Pugh has refused to do any press about this and the rumours have been going wild that these people are falling out and then they had their premiere Florence Pugh did turn up on the red carpet didn't do any press conferences didn't sit with Olivia Wilde didn't make eye contact with her and then there was a video that seemed to show Harry Styles spitting on co-star Chris Pine now this has been refuted by Harry Styles. And we have by the Chris audio Pine. of Harry Styles at, on concert in New York this week saying this. So wonderful to be back in New York. I just popped very quickly to Venice to spit on Chris Pine. Like a brilliant way to address an absolute conspiracy theory. In fairness, the video does look quite convincing. But I think the fact that everyone bought into this idea that Harry Styles could publicly, at a film premiere, spit on a co-star just indicates how mad the conspiracy theories and the drama are in this film. Okay, and also there are plenty of Instagram photographs and Florence Pugh living it up in Venice, it would seem as well. Too busy to do anything other than go to the movie, but not so busy that she can't be having a good time. There is an amazing 
an Instagram video of her swanning around in a beautiful purple outfit, kind of looking like your cool aunt at a pool party. So obviously not too busy, but her stylist also just put up photos of uh, Florence Pugh's beautiful outfits and called her Miss Flo, which seemed like a little bit of shade being thrown at Olivia Wilde. But does Florence Pugh not have a point if these rumours... We do know that Olivia Wilde is in a relationship with Harry Styles. Now, Florence Pugh hasn't said anything. So this could all be conjecture, of course. Or a um, brilliant marketing ploy. Possibly a brilliant marketing ploy. The film is also getting lacklustre reviews. I'm really excited to see this film. I genuinely think it's going to be great. And people are going to flock to it now, initially <laughs> at least, aren't they, on the back of all these stories? I think my, I think the drama has been really entertaining. I think it's kind of low level, but I think there is two things we need to be mindful of. There is always an element of misogyny when we pitch women in showbiz against each other and delight in them tearing each other Hold down on. or delight in someone yeah, winning. I know, but it was Olivia Wilde who made the Miss Flo comment about Florence Pugh, not some man. And it could have been taken out of context. I I think this is what we remember and we have to remember that men behave badly on film sets all the time and get away with it and, and shouldn't sh- and this, absolutely and, and shouldn't sorry, and absolutely this is an shouldn't. important point you know as a director should a director ever be involved or develop a relationship with one of their actors while working well I mean working relationships and power dynamics and there's an age differential and all of these questions can be addressed I think again historically that has been a norm for a lot of male directors and female st- stars so that can be a conversation but I think there is a pressure a lot of the time for women when they work together they have to be best friends or they're pitched as enemies and I think Kim Cattrall was quite interesting on this when she left Sex in the City and she just said we were never friends I wish they had been a bit nicer but we were never friends and she said but actually sometimes that's a healthy place to be you're a professional you go in do your job and you leave and that's it and why it becomes a tabloid fodder is beyond me and I think that's an interesting question so I think we do have to be mindful also all of this is kind of draining out the fact that Shia LaBeouf has been accused of really terrible things he's on a redemption tour that you know he's used the Olivia Wilde drama quite cannily he also admitted on a podcast recently that a film he made he wrote he directed he starred in he was critically acclaimed for about his father abusing him as a child was completely fabricated and that has been buried amongst the Don't Worry Darling drama. So I just want us to be mindful of where we pitch women against each other and we overlook the more serious misdemeanours of men. Just very briefly, also from the Venice Film Festival, I believe the Banshees of Inishiran got a rave uh, response from the audience. Yeah, 13 minutes standing ovation. They're obsessed with timing the standing ovations. Don't worry, Darlene only got a four minute ovation, which is basically a slap in the face, apparently. But yes, this is Brendan Gleeson, uh, Colin Farrell and Martin McDonough reunited again many, many years after In Bruges. And it's basically these two men who live together in a small community and have a huge falling out that turns a little bit dark. And it's basically Martin McDonough's dark breakup story with two friends. But of course, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell are always glorious to watch on screen. I think Martin McDonough, he can be hit and miss on his humour sometimes, but he's such a good writer, particularly for those two actors. So I'm incredibly excited. Okay, well, we look forward to seeing that. Okay, so tell us about See How They Run, which has a terrific looking cast in Saoirse Ronan, Sam Rockwell, Adrian Brody and Ruth Wilson. This is a very convoluted whodunit that is somehow less convoluted than the Don't Worry Darling drama. So that's fun. So yes, this is a... It's basically built on a simple but kind of delicious premise. It's a whodunit buried inside an actual whodunit. So there's a stage production of Agatha's Christie the Mousetrap uh, but behind the scenes a director is murdered, is found and Sam Rockwell is a very jaded inspector. Saoirse Ronan is a plucky young upstart who's really over eager, 
jumps to conclusions at every point, takes down meticulous notes constantly, wants to learn everything. They are paired up as kind of an odd couple who have to investigate this. So as in as is the norm for the genre, there is a big country house. There are a lot of very fancy theatrical characters. There's a writer who has a spat with the director. The director is played by Adrian Brody, which inherently gives the film kind of a Wes Anderson vibe, along with a lot of meta touches. Because as we go through these cast of characters scene, who might have wanted to kill the director? Why could it be the production, uh, the production owner of the man of the stage theatre? Could it be the writer who he insulted? Could it be one of of his many, many scorned lovers. As we're going through this cast of characters, the film is also commenting on how familiar we are with the whodunit genre. So it comments on how tacky it is to have flashbacks in a whodunit and immediately goes through a flashback. It goes, how, how many times have we seen this play out? And it plays out the exact same way. So it's constantly winking at the tropes of the genre while making them fun. Sarah Sharonin, for someone who we see so often in really dramatic serious roles and of course she's a beautiful actress she's such good fun in this she gets to be light and funny and really over eager and her her odd couple dynamic with Sam Rockwell is a delight to watch well let's hear a little bit of it here are the two of them in action that's that then sir it's as good as a confession it's not jumps to conclusions constable no sir the least we can do is talk to this other party yes sir Cocker Norris sir Tell me, did you write everything down in that little notebook? Only if it's important, sir. How do you know if it's important? Well, I'll just sort of put everything in as we go and then down the line, when we know what's important, we'll know that it's already in the notebook. So you do write everything down? Yeah, everything. That's what I thought. This sounds like a fun movie for a night out. It is. I think it's really good fun. It's really light. It's playing on, of course, the mystique of Agatha Christie's Mousetrap. It's that she put in her contract that no movie of the Mousetrap could be made within six months of the end of the production run. However, the Mousetrap has been running for decades. It never stops. So a movie has never been made. So this is a really fun twist on how do we make a movie about the Mousetrap without making a movie of the Mousetrap. So it's really fun. It pokes fun at the genre. The performances are light. I wish it had been a little bit funnier, a little bit sharper. It does feel a little bit light and frothy. It clocks in at 98 minutes, with, which I think is a really nice runtime for a Sunday afternoon. So I think this is one of those ones, you get your parents out, you have a nice afternoon, go to the Stella, see it on the big screen, enjoy the kind of mix of the traditional whodunit and the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You might forget it in two weeks, but you'll have a nice time at the cinema. Okay. And what about bodies, bodies, bodies? Now, this is another type of whodunit, but with a completely different tone, because this is a whodunit that kind of looks at Gen Z, our obsession with technology, how we weaponise language. And it stars Pete Davidson. So you can't really get much more different than Agatha Christie. So it's a group of rich kids, five old friends, along with a couple of not so significant other. And they gather for a hurricane party in one of their parents' uh, country cabins. So traditional setup, a bunch of rich kids, isolated location, stormy weather outside. And they decide to play a game called Bodies, 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 which some people might know as Murderer. We're in the dark. Someone plays Murderer. They have to guess who it is. They're suspicious of each other from the offset. But then one person does actually turn up dead. And of course, like all whodunits, like all slasher films, it becomes about the relationship with these characters, who they who they suspect, why they suspect each other. But what this script does really, really well, this is a screenplay by Sarah Delap, and she's adapting it from a short story by... Um, 
Kate Stamberg, who was the writer of Cat Person, the popular New Yorker story, which was even itself kind of a meta touch, saying this is a viral story about relationships, about gaslighting. And the script really looks at Gen Z. It looks at a generation who are raised on their phones with internet speak, who are used to everything kind of being catered to them in terms of the algorithm and staying comfortable. So it's about how they weaponize the language like toxic, like gaslighting, like narcissist. And they're all self-obsessed they all have their own issues to be obsessed with, but it shows how they've been bad friends to each other and all these tensions bubble to the surface. It's really good fun, a little bit satirical, occasionally a little bit patronising to Gen Z, but a good watch. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Thank you very much, Ro McDermott, Movies Editor of Hot Press. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.